0: All right, if you've got a Bible, grab it, open it, turn it on, follow along on screen in your outline or use the Central Church app. Um, 1 John chapter 5 is where you can turn to to start. Um, that's where we're going to start. We're going to jump around to four or five different places, but that'll be the first section of Scripture verses that we look at. Um, This is week number four of our series called Acrostics, where we take one word and we turn it into a bunch of words or some sentences so that we can easily remember uh, what we're learning and go out and try our best to apply it into our lives. Um, We've talked about shame, we've talked about unity, we've talked about growth. Um, This is most likely the last week, Um, and I say most likely because I'm not entirely sure what I'm doing next week. Um, I have two more. Two more acrostics that I want to use. I'm probably going to wait for them for another time. Maybe one next week. Maybe not. Um, Here's what I do know: 100%. I don't know if it's going to start next week or in three weeks. um, But our next series is is going to be called "Getting Past Church Hurt," and that's only a series um, for just about everybody. (laughs) Like it just everyone. Everyone's got a story um, of something that happened to them. Um, because of or in a church. And maybe it was this church. Um, I'm not blind to the fact that that there's hurt that happens here because Christians can be mean and and churches can do um, some cruel things. And so I get that. That'll be our next series. Um, Today, whether this is the last message in this series or there's one next week, let me set um, today up like this. Um, There's a lot that goes on in our lives that causes us uncertainty. Like, we would all agree that we live in a world of uncertainty. All of us know there's not been more uncertainty in the world than there is right now. And there's all kinds of different types of uncertainty. Um, for example, there's uncertainty when it comes to politics, yes or no? Yes, and in our country, we've never been more uncertain politically um, than we ever have been. You know, you're uncertain of what party is going to say what, about who, or who's going to do this, or, or, or who's going to get caught doing this, who's going to get caught doing that. There are all sorts of things going on. And so we're not sure politically what, what goes on. Some of us aren't sure politically where we even stand. Not only is there political uncertainty, there's situational uncertainty, like, like me, I wake up every single morning. I open up my computer and I look at the news because I'm just kind of curious, like, what the heck happened? What went crazy in the world last night? Anybody else do that? And he look and he's just like, I, I don't even. I, I'm so uncertain how we're even gonna like survive. Like it, it's just it's just crazy, you know? Like like this week, one of the big things was, <laughs> do we tweet or do we X? Like I don't even. I don't even know what that, how many of you know what that even means right now? How many of you know, like, Twitter done lost their dang mind? Like, I'm, it's, it's crazy. So, so there's uncertainty of what's going on. Then we have, I'll set this one up like this. I'm turning 50 in eight months, and I'm, I'm experiencing what you would call physical uncertainty. Now, for those of you who haven't turned 49 yet, um, maybe, hopefully, probably you'll get there one day. Um, but for those of you who have, you've got to help me out here um, and let me know I'm not the only one. But do you remember when you were a kid and you could go outside and you could ride your bicycle all day long and never get sore? Remember that? How many remember that? You go all day, never get sore. Get up the next day, do the same thing. I rode a bike on Monday. And here's the reason I rode a bike on Monday. Number one, because it was the only way to get around town. And number two, I thought it was cool that bicycles could do whatever the heck they wanted to. Didn't have to pay attention to no signs. They just did whatever. How many of you noticed that? Come on, be honest. All right. How many of you were frustrated by that? Come on, be honest. How many of you loved it? Uh, anyway, let's see. We but here, here's the thing. I rode a total of 14 miles over the course of a day. Don't let me pretend to tell you I did it all at one time. All right, I'm not. Every time I got off the bike... Every time something hurt, every single time. I rode out to the high school. I got off my bike. I thought, oh, dear Lord, I got to call Uber to get me home. I was sore, man. And I have an electric bicycle too, by the way. So (laughs) you have to pedal it sometimes like it runs out of battery. (laughs) I probably should have started the story with that. Anyway, still today, like everything just hurts it's like it's sore. like I have this uncertainty almost like every morning when I get up. what is going to hurt today right and so just like there's physical uncertainty, political uncertainty, situational uncertainty, there's spiritual uncertainty and, and I've heard people and I've heard people a lot say this lately there's, there's these new crazy moves of Christianity where, where people are Oh, pharisaical, and they, they say things like, you know, you have to believe this way, you have to think this way, these are the things you can do, these are the things you can't do. And, and I look at some of that stuff, and a lot of those categories, I'm like, I must not be a Christian. Because people say things that create all this spiritual uncertainty. People say things like a Christian would never do that, a Christian would never say that, a Christian would never go there, a Christian would never see that movie, a Christian would never listen to those songs. And and, and when people say those things, it creates this spiritual uncertainty in us. And so, with all that in mind, talking about uncertainty, especially specifically spiritual uncertainty that we deal with, I want to ask you a question. As a matter of fact, I'm going to ask you a ton of questions this morning. And every question I ask is an all skate. All right, you all have to participate. Everyone, no one can be like, I'm not playing today. Go. Home, big chief, no fun. Like we're all gonna play and have fun today. Alright? But this first question, all right. This, this first question, listen, I want you to leave feeling loved. I don't want you to feel judged as you leave because I'm not gonna judge you. But for this first one, I am gonna ask you to judge you. Alright? You're going to judge you. And and listen, you don't get to judge the person sitting next to you. You don't get to judge the person behind you. You don't get to judge the person on stage. This is a question. For you, all right? Here we go. At the very top of your outline, pull out your outline if you haven't pulled that out already. Very top of your outline, there's a scale of 1 to 10. And so on a scale of 1 to 10, how certain are you that you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ? That you'll go to heaven when you die? How certain are you? Are you, are you like a 10? How certain are you on a scale of 1 to 10 that you have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, and you'll go to heaven when you die? Are you absolutely certain? Or are you like, um, I know I'm not a Christian, but I don't feel like I'm a one, maybe I'm a two. Or maybe you feel like, uh, I'm close, I come to church, I, I do some stuff, and I'm, I'm an eight. Or or maybe you're like, you know, I, I really, really, really know I'm a Christian, um, but you know, there was like spring break, or last night, I don't know, I'm not judging, but maybe I'm just like a, a nine, or a nine and a half. I, I'm just saying... You circle where you think you are in regards to this is how certain I am that I have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, and I will go to heaven when I die. You circle the number where you think you are. There's no right or wrong answer. I'm not going to have everybody stand up and tell me their number. I'm not going to do that. But what I am going to do is I'm going to tell you where I am on this scale. I'm a 10. That's where Pastor Ryan is. I'm a, I'm a solid 10. Now listen, I do not put myself at a 10 because I'm awesome Uh, because I'm not, but I know that I'm a 10. And again, I'm not a 10 because I'm awesome. I'm a 10 because of the incredible, awesome, unbelievable, amazing grace of God. Listen, God's grace really is amazing. Like I, I can't sing that song without getting all emotional. It means so much to me that, that grace, that, that God would be graceful to me. It absolutely does something in me, something to me, and something through me. The, the fact that, that I've received this gift of grace from God is, is something I've never gotten over. And, and the, reason, the reason I can stand up here and tell you confidently with absolute certainty that I'm a 10 is not because of anything I have ever done. It's because of God's finished work through Jesus Christ on the cross that paid for my sin and paid for your sin as well. Now, this is another reason I know that I'm a 10, because of the Bible, in the Bible, there's a guy named John. John was one of the, well, he was the apostle of Jesus that lived the longest. And he writes some letters. He wrote the book of John, the gospel of John. He wrote the book of Revelation. And he wrote some, some letters as well. And toward the end of the first letter that he writes, John says something that's incredibly simple and absolutely profound at the same time. He said this in 1 John five twelve. He said, whoever has the son, everybody knows who the son is, right? The son is who? Jesus, right? So whoever has the Son has life. Who does not, Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. That's pretty simple. If you have Jesus, you have life. If you don't have Jesus, you have no life, right? That, that's really simple, right? If you've got Jesus, you got life. No Jesus, no life. Then he says this. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. So in other words, to those who believe in the name of Jesus... So that you may know. In other words, salvation is not something you have to question. Salvation is not something you have to be uncertain about. Salvation is not something you have to wonder about. It's something you can know. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so you may know that you have eternal life. So you would know. You don't ever have to question it. So you can know you have eternal life. There's another guy in the Bible. His name is Paul. And if you could get to heaven by just being good... Paul would probably be at the front of the line. The apostle Paul, after, after Acts chapter 9, after he meets Jesus, man, he, he does some things. His righteousness was just absolutely incredible. This is somebody who did all of these righteous things, says this in Ephesians 2 verse 8. He said, it's by grace you have been saved. grace, grace. For by grace you have been saved. In other words, he's saying, I don't care if you were born in a bar or you were born on the church altar. The first words out of your mouth were the Apostle Creed, and you got served communion as your first meal. All of us need this thing Paul talks about called grace. For it is by grace you have been saved. And at this point, he's writing a letter to a church in Ephesus. He's talking to people in the church. They must be talking about and bragging about how good they are. And, and how much better they are than everybody else because, you know, they're following Jesus. And he's saying, hey, shut up. It's by grace that you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's a gift from God. God did this. You didn't do this. Now, something's not a gift unless we receive it, right? So it's a gift of God, not by works. Again, you did nothing. You can do Nothing to receive this, you can do nothing to achieve it. It's a gift from God, not by your works, so no one can boast. You can't sit in there and you can't be like, ooh, I've got Jesus and nobody else does. Salvation is not about, I'm awesome, so God saved me. Salvation is, God saved me because God is so awesome. So, what we're gonna do, is we're gonna use this acrostic for grace to talk about what we should know about grace. As a matter of fact, your outline across the top of it, it says grace is knowing that. Now, we're going to talk about a few things. The first one, grace is knowing that letter G. Good only takes you so far. Good only takes you so far. Now, again, I'm not judging. I'm just asking. All right? Everybody, everybody play. Everybody participate. How many in this room, if you knew that you could get away with it, would speed on a consistent basis? How many of you? Raise your hand. Yes, that's awesome. How many of you just do it anyway? Yes. Even better. I love my church. You're breaking the law. We're breaking, breaking the law. Breaking the law. Breaking the law. Whew. Man, that take you back, doesn't it? All right. <laughs> how many of you, how many of you, again, everybody play, because Jesus is watching. All right? He's, he just is, and he's going to know anyway. How many of you have ever told a lie. Raise your hand. Come on. Come on. Listen, you've been at the DMV, right? Like they should put a scale at the DMV, right? Make you step on it and then just take 10 pounds off so you don't have to lie. They lie for you because we all say 10 pounds anyway, right? All right. How many of you, this one, I want to see what you do on this one. Then I'll tell you what first service did. How many of you knew, knew, or how many, all right. How do I want to say this? How many of you, if you knew you could steal something and get away with it, how many of you would do it? There's like seven or eight people. Hide your purses. Look around, them people right there. Come on, no man. Like, seriously, you knew you could get away with it. How many of you would do it? A purse, a car. Like, this is the only way I'm ever getting a Hellcat, right? I stole it. They say, drive it like you stole it. Pastor Ryan wouldn't have an issue with that. All right, here's where I'm going with this. All I'm trying to say... Is that if we've lied, if we would speed, if we've done some of the things that we've done. See, I talk to people all the time and I ask them, why do you think you're going to heaven? And the most common answer I get is, oh, I'm a good person. I'm going to go ahead and tell you you're not. You're not. I'm not. I'm not a good person. And listen, if we're going to talk about morality, if we're going to talk about being good and awesome and ethical, all of us have at least one skeleton in our closet, yes or no. Some of us have a graveyard, all right? So what I want you to do in just a second, I'm going to ask you, there's a second scale on your outline, I'm going to ask you to rank yourself on where you think you are on being good. Now, before you put anything down, because a lot of you are saying, oh, I'm awesome compared to my drunk brother-in-law, listen, I ain't comparing you, you're not comparing yourself to your brother-in-law. I'm going to show you a couple of people, right, and I'm going to tell you where they would probably put themselves on this scale. These are people that that you probably know. All right, here's the first one. One of the most influential people in regards to Christianity is this man named Billy Graham. How many of you have heard of Billy Graham? I I love Billy Graham. I don't care where you stand on Billy Graham and his theology and all that stuff and what he's done. Like th- that's fine. You have your opinion. I've got my opinion. Um, he's in heaven right now. He did some awesome things. All right. I love reading about Billy Graham. Um, his autobiography is absolutely amazing. I've got some book. You want to borrow any of this stuff? You can come borrow it because he's great. But I was reading that Billy Graham. The estimate the estimate is that over two million people. Prayed to receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior because of his ministry. It's unbelievable. The positive influence this man had for Jesus is absolutely unbelievable. But in a lot of his writings, and a lot of his interviews, Billy Graham was very, 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 very upfront about, hey, I have some temptations. I got some struggles. I wrestle with some stuff. I got some fears. I, I have, I have some, some doubts. There's sin inside of me. And if you were to ask Billy Graham, to, if you got some people around him that knew him very well because he was a very humble man, he probably, on that scale, and I'm going to be generous at it, he probably would have put himself at about an eight. And that's Billy Graham. All of us know him. All of us know the stuff that he's done. All of us know the integrity in his life. There's another man. This man is one of my absolute heroes in the faith. His his name is R.C. Sproul. This dude was one of the top theologians of our time. He died a a few years ago. Top theologians of our time. And I heard him do this scale thing. And he said on his best day, on his best day, he was a six. Dude knew more theology than probably anyone alive over the past 20 to 30 years. And he said he was a six. Now me, Pastor Ryan, I'm going to let you know I'm a solid five. And it depends on the day. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I am not a real good person. Seriously, when it comes to what I want or what I think sometimes, like like when somebody cuts me off in traffic uh, and and, the things I want to say or I wish I was driving Wendell's tank. (laughs) Can we be honest right now in church on a Sunday? How many of you want to run down a bicycle or on a Monday? Oh, I wasn't going to tell you raise your hand, I, but man, they went up fast. <laughs> Dang. What we talked about last week, Paul was eager to kill Christians. <laughs> I kept my hands in my pocket purposely because I know they were going to go up really quick. Listen, at the end of the day, here's the thing. Salvation does not depend on our goodness. Because listen, here's the bad news. If you're not a 10... You're not in. The good news is you don't have to depend on your goodness. You don't have to depend on your righteousness. When we pray to receive, this, or re- re- receive Jesus, it's his goodness. It's his righteousness that comes into us. And his righteousness means that no matter what we've done, we go from here to here simply by receiving him because of God's amazing grace to us. It's so good. Which leads to the letter R that grace is received, not achieved. We already kind of alluded to this a little bit, that grace is received. Um, Really, 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 really quick survey, uh, because I love to know who's in the room. How many introverts are in the room? Raise your hand. All the introverts raise their hand like this. That's what what we do. Um, How many extroverts? Your hands go up super fast. Somebody, two hands in your leg, right? I love people like you, but I'm not you. I am an introvert, and I know I say that, and you're like, "Uh uh-uh, no way, man. Up on stage, you are not an introvert. You, dude, you don't have any idea. I, I practice this thing like 25, 30 hours a week. I get up here on stage, I'm nervous as heck. until I'm, oh, if you've got a Bible, grab it, open it, turn it on, follow along on stage in your outline, or use the Central Church app. Like, I say that, and that kind of clicks me into gear, and I start going. When I get off the stage, like, I, it's like hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Um, have a great week. Hope you're, Hope everything's great. God bless you. Awesome. Like, and so that, that's just kind of how I am. I'm, I'm sort of like, and, and I've, I've gotten more and more that way, I think, as I've gotten older. And so because of that, my life is very interesting because people think that I'm this extreme extrovert. Now, when I get on an airplane, <laughs> I don't like to talk to people. I don't want to talk to people. Anybody else like that? Anybody don't? Want, how many of you like to talk to people? All right, everybody look around. All right, don't sit next to them. Like, that's, that's, that's the thing, right? Like, I'm probably the only pastor in America that does not have a, a I led somebody to Jesus on an airplane story. You know why? I don't want to talk to the person sitting next to me, I don't care where they're from. I know where they're going because I know we're flying to the same place. I don't care if it's their final destination. I don't care what they're dealing with. And if they're chatty, you know what I do? (coughs) I do. You think I'm making it up. I 100% do. You got a mask? No, I don't got a mask. (coughs) And so I put my earphones in before I even get on a plane. And when I fly by myself, I try to do this when I fly with my family too, but my wife doesn't like it. But when I fly by myself, I sit up front, not first class, because I don't usually fly on flights that have first class, but I upgrade to business class. I, I, I do. I like to have more room, and I like to be the first person off the plane. And so, not too long ago, I flew out to Orlando, um... I went out to watch Jaira wrestle for a day, and we're in St. Louis, and we've got an hour delay, and I'm like panicking, because I'm not going to make it to his, to his first match, or his second match, or probably any of them, and, and I, I thought I only had one day to watch him, and so anyway, I'm panicking, and it's just like one of these things where the flight's going, I, I, put, my, I put my headphones in, and I get in, and I'm sitting down, and I, and I started reading a book. All right, so I'm in the second row of this plane, business seat, um, in the aisle, I'm sitting there, and I'm reading this book, so the person next to me won't talk to me, he's probably trying to read my book as well, but anyway... I'm reading this book, and in this book, this is a true story, I start reading this story about a man sitting in a first-class seat in an airplane. He said he sat down, Seward has brought him out, his drink. he's kind of sitting there. He looks up, he sees this woman getting on the plane, and, and the line had backed up, because everybody's trying to put their luggage in the overhead, and it kind of backed up, and he sees this woman who's obviously distraught. She had been crying, um, she had like some raggedy clothes on, looked like she had some issues. And his heart went, he said, my heart went out to this lady, and so I just asked her, ma'am, is everything all right? And she started like uncontrollably crying and said, no, sir, I'm going to my mom's funeral. She died. I don't have the money to make it here. My friends put this money together to give me this ticket and on and on and on. He said the Lord spoke to his heart. He got up out of his seat and he said, ma'am, why don't you take my seat? He took her coach ticket, where the rest of us sit all the time, and he said, she just broke down. And she's like, there's no way that I can afford this. And he says, no, 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 I'm not asking you to pay for it, I just want you to have it. That's a snapshot. It's like a snapshot of what grace really looks like, when somebody gives you something that you don't deserve. Now, here's what's funny. This is a true story. This is how funny God is. I'm reading that story, and I look up, and there's a line. And there's a dude standing right in front of me that looked really rough. He looked like he had some issues. I mean, he just, looked, he, he, just, he just looked tore down. I didn't give him my seat. That would have been a great story, right? Don't judge me. I told you I'm a five, okay? Uh, not a seven. He did not get my seat. But at the end of the day, that's what grace does, right? It's not something we achieve. It's something we receive. All we have to do is receive it. I've had people tell me, I'm going to clean up my life, and then I'll come to Jesus. Listen, don't miss this. You don't clean your life up before you come to Jesus. In fact, we can't clean our life up. We cannot clean up our life. Jesus cleans up our life when he comes into our life. And so grace, at the end of the day, it's it's received, not achieved. There's nothing you or I could do to earn it, which is a problem. The letter A stands for all have sinned. All have sinned have sinned all have sinned all of us have sinned against god and so we don't deserve anything every once in a while when i get bored um different people do different things when they get bored right um I watch TikTok clips, and if I'm not careful, I don't know about you, but I can get a, down a TikTok rabbit hole, and I'll look up, and it's been an hour, 45 minutes, two hours later, I'm like, oh my gosh, what have I just done? And so I've got some favorite ones that I like to watch, I've seen some fascinating stuff on TikTok, um, but this week, <laughs> don't you judge me, this week I got hung up watching a bunch of Oprah's favorite things clips. You, you, ever, you ever seen these things? Have you ever seen, like, I've never watched a single episode of Oprah, I don't think. You know why? Because I'm a man. And so, like... I'm just telling you. I don't think I've ever watched like a, like a whole thing, but how, how many of you, honestly, I'm not making fun of you, how many of you have ever watched an episode of Oprah's Favorite Things? You, you've seen it, right? And so, like, this, this is the episodes where she just gives the stuff away. Everybody knows about that. When she comes out and she says, oh, hello, today's going to be a very special episode. It's going to be about my favorite things. Those of you who have seen it, when she says that, when she says, this is going to be my favorite things, what does the audience do? they lose their freaking minds. They're like, ah! Grown men are crying. And then Oprah goes, you get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car, and you, you get a car, and you, and she pauses, and she does all this stuff, and people go crazy. See, when Oprah announces, this is my favorite things, people go nuts. Everybody's excited. You know why? Because they know Oprah has the ability to bless them with something that they do not have. And there's all kinds of people in the audience. There are rich people, there are poor people, people from different economic backgrounds, people from different parts of the, of the country, of the world even, people of different color. doesn't matter. All that matters is that they're in the room. And because of the power of Oprah, they're walking away with something they didn't have. And I started thinking, why in the world do people believe in the power of Oprah And doubt the power of God. Because God's got some favorite things too. It's called you. It's called me. And God wants to save us. And bring us to eternity with him. However, the Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned. For all have sinned. Turn to your neighbor and say, that that means you. Tell them. Just tell them that. Don't give them a list of things that they've done. Don't, Don't do that. Just tell them, all have sinned. All have sinned, and because all of us have sinned, we fall short of the glory of God. That means we all need Jesus, but Jesus is only available for all who believe. Our sin has to be paid for, and the only way it could happen was the shedding of his blood, and his resurrection from the grave is what gave us life, and this is promised to us. His promise to us is all who believe will have eternal life which leads to the next point letter c is that knowing that grace is a covenant with god it's a covenant with god god throughout time has established covenants with his people now we've taken this word and we've twisted it to mean something that god never intended it for it to be it's a promise it's a it's a commitment it's a co- like like marriage Marriage is is a covenant. It's not a marriage license to go do whatever you want to do. You're entering into a covenant between another person and God. And when God makes a covenant with us, a covenant with God cannot be broken. God, if you read through the Bible, there are five major covenants that God made. Some people say seven. I'm going to tell you that there are five. Um, but they progressively build on each other to form a completely redemptive storyline. There was one with Noah, you know, that he gave the rainbow and he promised he would never flood the world again. Has he gone back on that promise? No, he hasn't hasn't gone back on it. That's a promise from God. He made one with Abraham. He made one with Moses. He made one with David. And then there was the one that we live under right now, the new covenant or the grace covenant. This is the covenant he made by sacrificing his son, Jesus Christ, so that we could have eternal life. A promise of once you receive that gift, you are his forever. Jesus himself said, he who the father has given me cannot be taken away because of letter e eternal life eternal life how many of you can honestly honestly remember your first little boyfriend or girlfriend raise your hand you're not sitting with them right now you're not some of you're like oh baby it was you no 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 you were little you're in middle school you're at the skating rink or whatever right and and when you had that first boyfriend or that first girlfriend you have some songs, right? For, for me, like this is the 80s. We had some songs that just drew our hearts together. Every era has, has those songs. We called them makeout songs. You remember? You know what I'm talking about? Songs like this right here. Oh, yeah. Old people, close your eyes right now. Remember that skating rink? Skating together hands touch Ooh, mm. maybe spin around backwards hold me up baby I can't skate backwards <laughs> never could remember this I mean this is the thing and you just like man I'm going to love you forever forever and ever and it's, it's never because mm. right that was it right there maybe that wasn't your song Maybe maybe that wasn't it maybe it was this one right here Maybe maybe this one does it for you. I don't know. Where's Mary? I don't I don't even know. Guess there's not a sermon illustration here. I don't know. Nobody backs baby into a corner, right? Anyway, I can do this the rest of the morning. I gotta I got move quick because you want ice cream. Anyway, we would sing songs or we would write poems about loving somebody forever, right? Re- re- remember that? Like, we're gonna love each other forever. We're always gonna be together. And, and then. The first person or the second person or the third person broke our hearts. And it hurt us. And because of that, we have a problem believing in love forever. We have a problem believing in unconditional love. We really do. But the good news about grace is grace is unconditional love, and it's eternal. Salvation is, like, like when you pray to receive Jesus, you have a relationship with him for eternity. You know where this really got me? Like, like this, this whole thing that I'm teaching this morning, I, I've done this I, I've done this forever. Forever, Um, even before I had kids. But when Chloe was born, this whole thing hit me different. If you're a parent, you'll understand exactly what I'm talking about. When you held that baby for the very first time, you told yourself, there is absolutely nothing in this world that could ever happen. There's nothing that this kid could ever do to to make me stop loving them. And then for the next 18 years, they push the boundaries of that and everything, you know. But don't they? And listen, here's the thing both my kids, Jaira and Chloe, even though sometimes in the future the relationship could go crazy, the fellowship could go crazy, the relationship will never change. I'll always be their dad. See, when, the, when you enter into a relationship with God, it's eternal. It's something, and, and, and the reason I say this is because there are some people, you're just not sure where you stand with Jesus, and so you, you sort of pray the prayer every week to make sure, and, and if you do that, listen, I'm not, I'm not saying it's bad, I'm not judging you, I'm telling you, you don't have to do that, because you can have certainty, you can know for a fact, it's not something you have to keep coming back to, you don't have to keep getting saved every day, every week, every month, every year, you can nail it down, because at the end of the day, it's eternal, Oh, Ryan, I prayed to receive Jesus, but I've done something wrong. Of course you have. Because we all sin. We all continue to sin. That means you're human. But Paul writes this in Romans 8, verse 1. He says, for now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. No condemnation. Now, if you're a parent, how do you feel about somebody messing with your kid? How do you feel? Like you want to put Pastor Ryan on another level? Say something about Chloe and Jira. I'm probably going to lose my job. I just am. Because it would be a problem if you say or do something to my kids. Now, if that's how I feel about my kids and that's how you would feel about your kids, how do you think God feels about his children? That's who we are. For in Christ, he says we're his children. And so when people start talking or the enemy starts talking junk, at the end of the day, if you're in Christ, what you did is not who you are. You are not the sin that the world or other people have labeled you as. You are unconditionally loved, radically accepted in Jesus Christ. When he saves you, he power washes your soul and makes you a brand new person. And I don't know, I don't know where you stand with Jesus. I don't, but I know where you can stand with Jesus. At the end of the day, it all comes down to grace, his grace. Now, there are people in this room, you've said yes to Jesus. Jesus Christ lives in you. Listen, you, you know it. You, you, on that chart, you can circle a 10. You don't claim to be perfect, but you know Jesus Christ lives inside of you because you've said yes. There are others of you, you just don't know. You, you've never prayed to receive Jesus, and so you're just uncertain. We put today in place for you, just for you. I did this message so that you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, and that you could go to heaven when you die. And so if you go all the way back to that very first chart, you can look at it and you can know I'm a 10. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not could be saved, not might be saved, you will be saved. You will be saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you're saved because of his amazing gift of grace. Let's pray. Right now, heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're a Christian right now, if you know you're a Christian, like you know Jesus lives in your life, this is what I want you to do right now. Just, Just tell him thank you. Just thank him. Just say, Jesus, thank you for my salvation. When was the last time you told God, thank you for saving me? Thank you. Maybe you're here right now and you don't know Jesus. You've never said yes. And right now, here today, you want to nail that down. Right where you sit. Right where you sit. I want to invite you today to say yes to Jesus. You can do that. You can just pray this prayer under your breath and your heart. You can, just, you can just pray this. Jesus Christ, right now, I say yes to you. Jesus I believe you died on the cross and I believe you rose from the grave and I believe you did that to pay for my sin. And so right now I confess I am a sinner and right now I ask your forgiveness. God, you know the things that I've done. God, you know the things I want to do. And I pray you forgive me and you save me. Come into my life. Rearrange it. Help me to live for you, to put you first. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my God. Be my King. Be my Savior. All of me for all of you. Forgive me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for saving me. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know. As, as we stand and sing this song, there'll be people in the back corners of the sanctuary at our prayer stations who would love to pray with you and for you, celebrate with you, help you take next steps. Maybe there's something going on in your life that, that you're just struggling with. Maybe it made you a three on the goodness chart or a four or a seven or whatever. You're like, man, I'm just struggling. I need some help. Let us help you. Let's pray with you and for you and let's walk with whatever you're struggling with. Let's, let's walk with you. That's why we do church here at Central. Understanding we can't do life alone, that we need to help a God and each other to make it in this life. God, I pray over these next several moments that we will reflect on your amazing grace, that we will be thankful for our salvation, that we will celebrate you, your goodness, your greatness, your provision, and your protection to us. God, move in this room in the hearts of your people through the power of your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen.